following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is R.J. Bell. College football early bowl edition. And let me tell you something about my Wise Guy Roundtable. So bowls come out, as you guys know, on Sunday. Some of the lines didn't come out till Monday. We record on Tuesday. So the emails start going around and first it's Ken Thompson and Ken Thompson says, you know, something, this is, wait, I'll raise my voice. You know, something, this is, you know, we've set such a high standard with the dream preview on the college side, especially. And, and I'm just not sure in less than 48 hours, I'm going to be ready to do this. And I said, all right, Ken, I said, you take this week and, We'll get you back next week. And then about a half hour later, Fezzik calls Steve Fezzik, two-time Super Contest champion. And he starts coughing. <coughs> he goes, you know, he goes, I don't feel really all that good. I couldn't make it, RJ, if you really, really <coughs> need me to. But, you know, I want to really be ready for the NFL dream preview the next day. And I'm like, hold on a second. How do you know you're going to be better? Like when you're sick, how do you know? And he goes, I don't know. I'll be there though. I said, all right, skip the college. So then I don't hear anything from Brad. So I call up and this guy, you hear the computer, like going in the background. There's like game film on. He's like, hell yeah, I'm going to be ready. So what we have first, Brad, take a bow. This is the this is the difference though, right? Is and it, and it really is a good lesson. Is I have no doubt about it. Next Tuesday, Ken is going to be here firing on all cylinders. Faz is going to be here doing his thing. To me, the difference and it's a good lesson is if you specialize, right? Because if you're you know Fez is betting in game NFL all day Sunday, right? How can he be preparing for the Bulls? Now you. NFL, you're able to cherry pick and find some good stuff. But on Sunday, you're you're handicapping these games. Yep. And to me, it's a it is again a good lesson is for the highest, highest level in any sport, you want to find a special you want to find someone in June who is working on the NBA. Because then come November, they're ready to or now October, you're ready to go. Right? You want someone on Christmas Day that's getting ready for baseball. And to me, I think you can do, if the sports don't overlap, I think, you know, someone who wanted to do, uh, you know, college football and baseball, obviously there's going to be some overlap at the very end. I think you can be fine. But if you're trying to really effectively do multiple sports at the same time, it's just really tough. If you're a workaholic, you know, like 70, 80 hours a week, you can maybe do it. But then you've got a guy like Brad, who's a workaholic doing the, you know, 90% of his energy on one sport. And now it's like, even if you're working 70, 80 hours, how are you competing if you're splitting that time? So I think this podcast 
is going to really be, and I'm going to tell you guys in a minute what we're going to be doing here, is going to really shine a light on what m- makes Brad special. But first, I, I got a little song in tribute to Brad here. I love ACDC, and I've always loved that line. It's a long way to the top. If you want to rock and roll, meaning if you do it, if you sell out, it's easier to get to the top. But if you're going to get to the top grinding, it's a long way to the top, Brad. Wow. But you're grinding. So we're getting there. So here's what (laughs) we're going to do. We're going to go over four or five of the biggest big picture handicapping tips back in for the college bowl specifically. And it's something I actually, the bowls, you know, I actually am a former world champion in college bowls. Did you know that from the sports monitor? Really? Yes, that's correct. Uh, Oklahoma City. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Wow. Yeah. And not even a tie either. I had an undefeated bowl season. I think it was like 2003 when I was actively handicapping college. So, I, you know, the bowls I have a better feel for, not at a player level, but just the concepts. So we'll spend a good 20 minutes, 15 minutes talking about that. Then we've got the uh, 11 game bowl games that Brad's going to give an early handicap for that are ranked teams against ranked teams. So these are the 11 biggest bowl games, obviously the playoffs and the Rose Bowl, all the big games. And also at the very end, Brad's going to have an early best bet on one of those games that he's taken off the rubber band for. But also Brad is going to have a handicap on the army Navy game that goes this weekend, which will be very, the very last thing. So if you're listening to this somehow after the army Navy game, you can actually just ignore that last little part of it. Let's start though with early line moves. I have seen just observationally, Brad, I want to get your thoughts. There's probably no place where if you bet early, you're going to gain more value compared to betting on game day than the college bowls. I mean, I, it's just like you see stuff move three, four points and it's almost always that people are like, yeah, I like them at six and a half, you know, now at three, I don't. Uh, it seems like that part of that is going to be, obviously they're up for so long, right? What yep. other than week one college football and NFL, which is up throughout, you know, in in many places throughout the summer, these are the one football games, uh, one group of games that's going to be up for more than uh, two weeks, which, you know, the Super Bowl being, you know, two weeks, for example. Um, And I also think there's just more value. I think when you get out of conference and, you you know, where it's not often conference versus conference and you get away from, is it ever, it's sometimes conference versus conference, isn't it? Very rarely. It is very rare. Yeah, that's what I thought. Is, um, to me, there's more complexity. And I think the better handicappers and people who are moving lines usually are the better handicappers uh, see more value. I think the odds makers struggle more making those opening numbers in the bowl. So give us your thoughts on on how important it is to bet early in the bowls. Well, I would say, and this isn't you know blindly following this method, but if you're looking to back a favorite that you think is the right side, I would say betting them early would be in your fortune. If you think a team like there's an underdog out there that's getting disrespected, I would say that would be the one team where you might want to wait until later in the bowl process. But why do lines move to begin with? Well, you get constant new information a lot of times that are out there and what you can. Well, hold on, hold on. Yeah. 
what I would say in college bowl specifically, if I had to attribute what percentage of line moves is new information and what percentage is just lopsided betting, I would make the case that well over 80% of the line of, of the, if you count each tick, each half point of line move as just one unit, I would say 80 plus percent of the units are about lopsided betting, not new information. Like what other than injuries or suspensions, what new information is? Well, here's the difference. I think there's been a lot more coaching turnover than 10, 20 years ago. There just is. I mean, they're not giving guys five years they're giving them two or three years to get the job done. But but a guy in a bowl. And I, I agree with you entering the bowl season. There's going to be, so you're saying someone gets high. Let's say the bowl games, uh, new year's Eve, and they end up getting hired on December 15th. What happens then? That kind of new information? Well, there's a lot of, uh, you know, not necessarily new coach is going to make a difference, but the old coach going out is a guy. But that- don't we know, you're talking about we don't know today, and we're taping on uh, Tuesday, what is it, December 5th? Yeah. Yeah. We're taping on Tuesday, December 5th. Yeah. Is you're saying some, we know right now there's certain coaches that's going to, uh, that that have gotten hired in new jobs, right? Yep. Frost, for example. Are you saying that in between now and the game itself, a coach might get hired away? Absolutely. If both sides are dealing with, let's say weather, everyone says, oh, I want to bet, wait until Sunday to see what the weather's like once I hit December before I bet my NFL games. But to me, everyone has the same chance of the weather getting, uh, being better than we thought. Like right now we've got a five day forecast or whatever is everyone has the same chance that that forecast is wrong. And it could favor you or it could go against you. To me, that's a wash. In the long run, that's going to even out. Thus, why else would I bet early? Because in general, lines are less sharp earlier in the week. Because on Thursday, specifically in the NFL, the limits go up at most places. And the big syndicates start to really show their hand. I want to bet before the syndicates show their hand because I don't want to fade them. So since we know there's a massive amount of line, I agree with you 100%. If you want to bet with full information, then waiting makes sense. But I would much rather play into the softer lines and accept the randomness that some information might come out either for me or against me. Where do you come down on that? Well, yeah, I would say more than well, more than 50 percent of my bettings. uh, And this is a week to week basis, even with these bowl games is within the first day of the bettings, because I do like the soft lines don't have the latest information, but I can at least anticipate where I think the line is going to move. And, and let me refer. Well, back. And you have the latest information up to the point you make the bet. Yes. It's not like in horse racing, which is a paramutual. And if you bet early, it's goofy because you're going to get those closing odds, the paramutual odds, no matter what, you might as well wait and get all the info you can. Yeah. And, and let me use some examples here. You know, I liked a couple of teams, uh, but waited on betting them. And I'm going to use Oregon and SMU preferred to, to back them in this year's bowl games. But, you know, me looking at the coaching market, there was floaters out there that Willie Taggart, the Oregon head coach, was going to be possibly up for the Florida State job. Chad Morris, the SMU head coach, is being interviewed for jobs. I held off on my betting and that new information thinking, hey, they might be named as the head coach in future. And here, as we're taping this on Tuesday, within an hour or so of us taping this, Willie Taggart, the head coach at Oregon's, off the Florida State, won't coach the bowl game. Chad Morris, the head coach at SMU, off to Arkansas. Looks like he's not going to coach the bowl game. Here's a kind of a pro tip or a next level tip, I think. And it sounds like what you're talking about. 
if you are aware of information that's going to be released, you don't know the answer, but you know there's a question that's going to be answered, likely, and you feel like you've got a good handicap on that answer, as in, hey, this coach might go. If that coach goes, I think it's going to be such a problem for the team. I'm speaking hypothetically because the coach also caused the plays on offense or whatever. Whatever reason you think it's going to be more impactful than the average batter might think or less impactful and you can fade the move, then waiting for that info to come out, let the market react, and then you, in a sharper, more educated way, react to that information. Or maybe you beat it. Maybe you know this info is going to move the line, but most batters don't, so you're waiting for it, you get it, you bet it really quick, right? Which, back in your Phil Steele days, now, this hasn't been the case, I think, for a long time with Phil, but years ago, 15, he was beating the the preseason unlike anyone else. And literally his stuff would come out and lines would be moving off it. Yep. So, and, and, you know, Phil had his approach, I think pre prevalence of social media, he had connections and just different approaches that just was better than any public handicapper way back in the day. And thus it would make sense to say, okay, I'm going to play off the information in that case. Um, I think that's an, I think that's an extreme case where you've got, you know, info is going to reveal itself that you can price better than the market or you can beat the market to it. And that's that information you wait for. But I think that's a pretty rare case. I would say it's becoming more common. Let, let me use player specific. Now we've got guys sitting out bowl games. So give that's me, our, this is a good, if yeah. it's one of our 11 games or not, yeah. give me just maybe two or three situations where you think you're willing to let the market mature, which is not bad early in order to get some very specific info that you think the addition of that info is going to help you even more than what you lose from letting the market mature by not betting the early lines. Uh, I'll use one of the semifinals, Alabama Clemson. I want to know the status of the Alabama linebackers. They've had cluster injuries there. It sounds like by all accounts, they're going to get three of their four guys back. But, you know, a couple of guys start, tried to come back against Auburn weren't the same. That is something I want to wait a couple weeks on, see how they're practicing. And if they can play, obviously, major advantage for the Crimson Tide. And we'll talk about it at length more. If they're not going to play, then the Alabama that we saw the last three, four games of the season, probably most likely is going to be the Alabama we see in the semifinal. Now, typically, the market is going to price this as in, okay, what's the price if they play? What's the price that they don't? Now, we're making this a binary, but there's multiple players, and they each can be a spectrum of you know, not playing to playing at a certain percentage all the way up to 100%. So usually a market is going to say, what's scenario A's price, what's B's, and what's the chance of A, what's the chance of B, and pricing it in the middle. Do you feel like – I'm comfortable with that if I felt like the market would price it properly. Do you feel like the market – in this case, my guess is they would undervalue – the importance the market would of these linebackers coming back. Thus, if they do come back, you want to play on Alabama. And if you don't, you might even want to fade them. It might be literally that one data point. In this case, multiple data points clustered together with the linebacker statuses would drive your bet. Is that because otherwise, why not just accept the randomness of it and, and play it now? Because right now the price accounts for the uncertainty at linebacker. Yeah, I would say it's undervalued. Mm -hmm. I would say I with, with that specific uh, line move that we've seen towards the Crimson Tide as we're taping this, I would say that it's being factored in like those guys are going to play. 
and, and maybe in some instances, it might actually get overvalued in the marketplace because the line's already getting moved now. And, you know, then all of a sudden you hear game week, well, they're going to play, they're going to play, they're going to play. And maybe the public comes in and, you know, wasn't factoring it in to begin with. Maybe they start betting out, but all their linebackers are healthy when the market was already reflecting that to begin with. Does that make sense? So that's the question. And that's where power ratings come in. So if you just look at your power, because here's where power ratings come in. If you don't know what the line should be, all things equal, you don't know if the linebackers uncertainty is being priced in or not. Now you being, in my opinion, the source of the best Vegas power rankings for college football out there. Let's ask you the question, Alabama Clemson right now. I'm seeing Alabama up to two and a half. Uh, in some spots, the square books, it looks like, well, no, actually the square books, Bovada and sportsbook.ag have it a little bit lower. And I actually see a pay per head we've got that's minus 125 on two and a half. But either way, let's call it two and a half. Um, and Vegas is pretty much two. So it looks like the two and a half is a little sharper. So it looks like the 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 sharper books are a little heavier on or a little uh, more lumber to lay on Alabama. What is your pure power rating say between Alabama Clemson on a neutral Alabama one, which is what the market opened up at my feeling about the line move is, Hey, these linebackers are not questionable. Like they're listed. They're probably more probable. And that's why the market's given us the extra, you know, point and a half. It looks like, okay, that's interesting. By the way, you can go to pregame.com at any point. Leading up to any of these games, see the lines from for free from multiple different books. Also see the line moves in a little easy to read graph. Also the bet splits. You can see the cash count and the ticket count for every game, every sport that we carry, all the major sports. And by the way, only place on the internet for free to get those cash splits. Good stuff there. So tip number one, bet early unless you have a specific reason not to. And I think this whole idea... I think you bet early no matter what. I think you're even more aggressive to bet early if it's a favor. I think that old school, you know, quite frankly, 1993, wait on the dog and 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 bet the favorite early. And that could be football weeks too, you know, uh, early week, bet the favorites, late in the week. bet. I think the syndicates are so aggressive and they'll play favorites and dogs now. Um, and they'll play early in the week. They'll play later in the week. I mean, I've often seen, and you've seen it a hundred times this year, 32 point dog on Monday morning in college football, not the bowl, but a a typical week and boom, it's 28 and a half on Wednesday. Right now I'm not saying that 55% of the time or so that you're not right. We're slightly more than half the time. You're going to do better uh, waiting on a dog than you would on a favor. I'm just saying I don't think it's worth waiting at all anymore. I think as soon as you feel like you got a bet that you feel good about, accept the uncertainty. Now, if there's some specific reason you think maybe it's worth waiting, like you were talking about in the information or whatever, then the tiebreaker might be, well, if it's a favor, I'm less inclined to wait. So the bar gets raised even higher to wait. And if it's a dog, yeah, you know, it's close to me maybe thinking I should wait. So I'll wait because it's a dog. Agree? I, I totally agree with that. And let me say this, you know, as far as my early betting, I just went strictly power ratings. The first six, seven, eight bets that I made for the bull season already, just, you know, I've been doing the power ratings all season long. Anything that was a difference that I thought was advantageous, whether it's around a key number or it's greater than a point, that's what I took advantage of. And then also anticipating what I expected, maybe coaching moves, players sitting out, 
that's what I took advantage of betting early. And I agree with you. Bet early is the way to go anymore. I know more about these college bowls than you realize. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You were surprised when we were talking on the show. I'm like, oh my God. That's point one, <laughs> two, three. It's like, that's exactly, you've stole my whole the show. That's all right, though. You, you know what Stephen A would say? It's one of those situations where we require the services of R.J. Bell. See? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> all right, factor number two, coaching changes. To me, this is, you know, actually, that's factor three. Let's go to, uh, we're teasing. Factor two, motivation. And I'll say this in layman's terms, and you can get into some harder core stuff. Is the team excited? That's your word, excited to be there. If they're excited, and, is, you know, I guess you could say neutral, excited, or bummed. I don't think there is a neutral. I think you're, because people don't realize they're there, you know, bigger games, it's like six days, right? Mm -hmm. And even the smaller bowl games are like five, four and a half, five. Yep. I mean, so imagine being, you know, you're a kid and you're a five-star, like, like a, uh, I'm not going to use any specific examples this year, but imagine you're a Florida school that goes to bowls every year and somehow you're in San Antonio, right? Yep. And I can tell you, come day three or four, they're not happy to be there. So are they excited to be there? Yes or no. And if it's yes, it means a lot. If it's no, and if all you did was play the yeses versus the noes, and that was your only handicap. I'm not sure you wouldn't win long term, a little bit at least. Go. Oh, I think that in itself, probably at least a 52% type of handicap. And here, I'll break it down specifically. Here's what you want to be looking for. If, if you can't break it down, whether a team's excited or not to be there, a lot of times look at what the expectation was coming into the season. Was this a team that was supposed to be playing in a big time bowl game and now they're playing a lesser one? And a lot of times, follow what's happening during the practice weeks. You mentioned once they get on site. The greatest example ever is USC playing in a Sun Bowl in El Paso, Texas under Lane Kiffin. They were so disinterested in being there. They didn't even show up to the team banquet meeting. They're about a touchdown favorite against Georgia Tech. Lose the game. Now, what outright. year was this? Just uh, This was like 2011, I want to say. Uh, that is something you want to be looking for. Once they get on site, and a lot of times maybe players are out partying and not focusing on the game type of thing. Uh, you can see, you know, maybe some coaches. Quotes. So you said expectations. Yes. I think that's good. I would clarify that a little and say expectations in the last month. Okay. Meaning, because yep. here's the thing. If you, let's say a Florida state or whatever. And again, obviously there's coaching, which is going to be next, but let's say a team is supposed to be really good. They start off really bad. Now it's like, Oh, you guys are horrible. It's might be, you know, coach might get fired or whatever. But if they end up like USC is a good example. But they were playing Ohio State. Let's say USC would have lost one more game. So they would have had three losses. Then they rattle off five in a row and they get to, let's say, a you know second-tier bowl in this hypothetical. I would actually say on the season they were disappointed. But in the month or so leading up to the game, they probably were excited. because. So I guess the momentum to some degree. I totally agree. Let's use on the flip side. Two teams that exceeded expectations this year, Wisconsin-Miami. One went away from making the playoff. Neither one of them get the job done. You got to question how excited they are. At least it, it, the question's out there. It works on both ends. Yeah. So we always talk dream crusher. If your dream crusher ends up being the last game, even, I mean, I remember Alabama. What was, it wasn't Hawaii. Who, what was the Utah. Utah in the sugar, right? Yep. I mean, let's talk about that game because that is a great, you would think sugar bowl, you should be excited. <laughs> you should be. It was their first major bowl game in like six or seven years. 
Yeah, they had a great season, exceeded expectations, came one play short of playing for the title. Al- We're talking Saban and We're Alabama. We're talking Saban, Nick Saban and Alabama against Utah. They failed to show up. Let's talk Nick Saban against Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. I forget playing a team like Utah a few years ago. You know, Alabama's one play short. They kick six against Auburn. They come up one short of playing for another national title. They're playing Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl. Not ready. Lose that. They're a two touchdown favorite. Lose by two touchdowns in that one. Yeah, there's so much nuance to this, but it really is about expectation relative, relative, I think, to, or not relative to, but I think weighted heavily towards the end, what they were feeling at the end of the season. Because let's be candid. If you're a crappy, one big advantage for bowl teams, if they're young, it's a whole other, you know, what, three weeks, four weeks of practice. It's almost like another spring ball. And if it's a young, excited team with a coach and the program's trending upwards, I think they're going to be so excited, even if it's a mid-tier bowl game. But if you're a, and I remember another example, Miami of Florida against Reno. Uh, I'm thinking that was seven, eight years ago now. But it's funny because these usually, the motivation shows itself in, in the wire reports and all that and the stringers. And, 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 and the beat writers, and you'll see, like, I remember that Reno game. It's just in my head. They were only favored by like four and a half against a Miami of Florida when Miami of Florida was a lot, you know, well, I guess they're good again, but this was back pre their, their lull. And like how much, not only don't they want to be in some crappy place relative to where they they're used to be in these teams, but they don't want to practice another three weeks. It's like we're, we're we failed, God, you know, we need a break kind of mentality. So I I think the trend line, not only emotionally, but how excited is the team for next season? I think has something to do with. Yeah, it. I mean, what the, if they get a win here, uh, and if they start talking about, hey, what a win would do for us, momentum going into the off season, That's another key factor, key quote that you want to hear. And, and look, an extra, a young team, fifteen. All these teams are going to be using extra practices for using the young players. But when you have a young team and you start to see that team growing towards the end of the season, getting better, well, with 15 extra practices, you, the anticipation should be that they become even better when, when you get an extra 15 practices. So the, the, the coaching trend line, I think, where if a coach leaves, and we'll be talking about that next, it's a big deal. Uh, and oftentimes, it's always a negative, I think, but in different spots, it's even more of a negative but if it's like you know year two and you made your bowl and now you got a lot of young players and you're thinking the next year you're going to be favored to win your conference, that's when the enthusiasm I think is really high. Yep, absolutely. I also have found, and we didn't talk about this before the show, the bowl games can be much higher variance, where uh, a team like Alabama might lose by 25 against Utah, and you if it was a regular season game where the effort level was certain. You could play a hundred times; they would never lose by that much. Do you agree in general that bowls are higher variances in uh, more disparate or wide-ranging scores, shocking scores? You're on the money. I could see why. I'm actually surprised you didn't win multiple <laughs> bowl titles at the Sports Monitor. Could not have said it better myself. Yeah, I mean, and you're going to hear me in a couple of these game handicaps. Hey, I got to pass for now. Too much variance. Uh, I, I got to get a better feel for, you know, motivation levels for both teams. So, yeah, absolutely higher variance. So what does that mean? It means avoid teasers, yep. which I avoid them in college anyway. It also means never lay the favorite on the money line. 
And it also means if you like a bigger dog or any dog, don't be afraid to at least split your bat. You know, a 12 point dog is going to win a lot more often in bowls than they would in the regular season. And I think the pricing accounts for that somewhat, but I don't think it accounts for it fully. What do you think about uh, if there was a 12 point underdog, do you find that the payoff on the money line for the dog is going to be in line with what it would be during the regular season? For the most part, maybe 20 cents off. All right. So higher variance. Let's go to coaching changes. Do you agree they're always negative? Oh, yeah. It just depends on how negative they can be. So, you know, so, so let's break that down. Yeah. And, and here's the thinking. why They're all negative because, RJ, as they explained, you're losing man hours. I mean, whether that guy was great man hours, you lost him because you fired him, or you lost him because he's going to another head coach. I mean, you got to think that there was some productivity in the 70, 80 hours a week. Now, varying degrees of negative, like say that interim coach is a recruiting coordinator. He's recruited these kids. He's got an opportunity to get the, the coaching job next year if they have a great bowl performance. Sometimes that can be, you know, a very slight negative and maybe even a net neutral. I'll use West Virginia lost Rich Rodriguez to a bowl game. They got really fired up to play to Oklahoma. They had an interim coach in Bill Stewart. They win the game. He ends up getting the job. So sometimes... You know, it, while it's a negative, you lose the man hours. A lot of times these players give extra effort. You know, that guy dissed us. He left us and we're going to show him. You get that sometimes, but very rarely that's the case. I think you just touched on it. If the interim coach is a big favorite of the team and there's a chance of him getting, you know, almost like what we saw with Orgeron and LSU midseason yep. last year. And it's like, let's rally. I don't know how much it is. Let's show this other guy because you know, even if you're a kid, you're not going to. Now, if someone, if a coach makes a lateral move or something, then there might be some uh, resentment. But if you know, if you're, you think of Central Florida kids, even if Frost would have went, you know, and not coached in the bowl, what's the status on Frost in that bowl game? Well, it came out that he's going to coach, but now lately it seems like it's a little more uncertainty than them coming out and say he's going to coach the bowl. That that's worrisome, worrisome to me that they don't 100 percent know because I would like to have the plan in set from this point forward. It's a good point, but it probably were probably the, of the three scenarios: leaving, staying for the game, uh, leaving before the game being one, staying for the game being two, or huh, we'll figure it out. It seems like that third <laughs> one's the worst one. Yes, but let's just say he he decided to leave right when he took the job. It's kind of hard for a kid to resent. Oh, he just got his dream job. We're mad at him, right? Yes. So I think if it's a lateral move, maybe, but there might be some anger. But in general, it's how much do they want that coach that's the interim coach to keep the job because if you win there's a better chance right yep what are the times it's going to be the worst oh i mean when you got a guy that, that left and is taking his entire staff with him so or the staff's in limbo so not only do you lose the head coach you, you're losing the coordinators maybe the coordinators are going off with them and you're down to position coach that are being coordinators, a coordinator that might be the interim head coach. But you also got to think that they're not going to get a job. There's already a head coach announced that has no ties to them whatsoever. They're they're obviously uh, looking for their human beings that <laughs> partly. Yeah, they got to prepare a team for a coach. But the other part is, where am I going to be? Where's my family going to be at? Where am I going to be coaching at next year? Maybe they're interviewing for jobs. Maybe they're looking for places to live. That to me is the ultimate negative. So I think we just touched on it. And I think it's a spectrum. If the coaches are leaving multiple, you're losing those man hours, even more than one coach. Right. So that's probably the worst. The next worst would be, you know, that the interim coach isn't going to stay. Yep. And thus it's kind of a substitute teacher phenomenon. It's not only how much effort are they putting in, because I can promise you 
those assistants are looking for jobs. They're thinking where, how, when should they pull their kids out of school? Like you said, human reality is, and then I think still negative is the limbo because you're not sure, but you could almost make the case, Hey, maybe you're going to be a little motivated and cause the stakes are even higher. So I think the limbo is, is the, uh, least bad with potentially being good, the example you said where they're playing for their jobs and there's optimism they can keep the job. Let's rally behind the guy. So other than that, I think it's negative just to varying degrees. Yep. So give me one or two teams. It can be amongst the 11 games or not that, that the coaching changes you think are a big factor in and handicap that one factor in the games. Mississippi State taking on Louisville. Uh, Mississippi State loses their head coach, Dan Mullen. Not only is he going, but their defensive coordinator, Todd Grantham, which would have been a huge positive because he's the defensive coordinator against their opponent, Louisville, for the last three years. So he'd have had inside knowledge. He's leaving. He will not be calling the game. So, And also, Mullen's taking more assistance with him. So they're all going to be recruiting for their new job for next year, maybe splitting a few duties. That, to me, is one of the biggest negative coaching uh, moves that I've seen in, in this particular bowl season. Is that accounted for in the current line? It was not in the opener. <laughs> the rubber band was peeled off multiple times by me. Still isn't, in my opinion, current line six and a half as we're taping this. What did it open up? Opened up at four and a half or five. It's starting to get headway. Not only that factor, but Mississippi State doesn't have a quarterback. He gets injured in the last game. I don't think that's appropriately getting priced into the number because we haven't seen outside of the final three quarters of that game what Mississippi State actually is without their quarterback. I say it's a huge negative without Nick Fitzgerald. Line says he's only three, four points downgrades. I think Nick Fitzgerald is probably a seven-point downgrade. All right, give me one more college bowl game where the coaches, uh, coach or coaches leaving is a big factor. Well, I'm going to say that, and we're going to use an example that could be a positive, And it just happened today where Oregon loses their head coach, Willie Taggart. The interim coach is Mario Cristobal. At least as we're taping this, sources are that, hey, if they have a good performance in the bowl game, he's not only going to get interviewed, but there's a good chance that this guy might actually get the job. He's been a recruiting coordinator at Alabama. He's been a pretty decent head coach at FIU. This is one where if the players really embrace him, that this could be one where, you know, you think you're getting a huge negative losing a head coach. I would say maybe not so much. Good stuff. All right. Enough on coaches, I think. Let's go to the next one. No, it's a good stuff. And we'll be, as we go through the games, we'll be taking off some of these macro factors. And then obviously next week when we start doing deep leaner likes on every game with the whole team, when Fez, Fez's cough is cleared up. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't drink enough Mountain Dew, yeah. or maybe he drank too much. Stayed up a couple of nights too late. Uh, <laughs> it was, but he's going to be going for the for the NFL edition. Oh, baby. and I'll, I'll add one more. I was like, uh, "Hey, do you need an extra day for it?" Because we take videos on Wednesday. Do you need an extra day? We'll, we'll use Thursday. Nope, I'll be good Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday, baby. Yeah. He's he. I guess he's in touch with his body. He, yeah, you know, he's regular. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coaching prep. So better coaches are better. Um. It's the old kind of NCAA tournament. Give Bobby Knight from Sunday till Friday. It's better than if he's playing on Friday and then has to play on Sunday because he's got more time. That seems obvious. Give us some way to use that with more specificity. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm going to use Urban Meyer as the best example. And this is any extra time for Urban Meyer. He's already one of the top coaches in the country. You give him extra time to prep, he's going to pinpoint that weakness. In his entire career, he's 48 and four straight up with the extra time to prep for our straight, straight up 48 straight up. and four. Now the 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 Browns are four four and 45 the wow. last 49. So it's kind of the same but opposite. Yeah, and even more impressive to me because, let's face it, he's been the favorite a lot of those, so he's just doing what he's expected to do. 36-13-1 against the spread. I mean, that's incredible that he's beaten expectations at a 75-plus percent clip over his entire career. It hasn't mattered if he's been at Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, and now here at Ohio State. You give a guy like him extra time to prep, a lot of times he's going to use that to his advantage. Is it as simple as saying, I'm going to rank, I'm going to look, because it's all relative, right? If you got a coach that's, let's say, the 30th best coach in college football, you might think, huh, that's not all that good. But if the opponent coach is 90th, you're going to be thinking, hell, heck, he's got a uh, prep preparation advantage. So is it just about, because if Saban is playing Urban Meyer, it's hard to give either an advantage, right? Yep. Well, And here's the thing. Not all great coaches are, are great bowl coaches. I'll use Bill Snyder. I love playing on Bill Snyder, underdog role. Just love playing on him in general. In bowl games, there's kind of that net neutral where, you know, you think, oh, he's a grinder, extra time to prep. He's going to have a huge advantage. I actually think sometimes that can be a little bit of a negative. He can get a little maybe exposed where on a week-to-week no, basis. No, 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 no. You don't think so? No. Here's what it is. Now, listen, all right. I want to hear it. This is a rare time I've got deep inside. All right. My best buddy or you know, best friend growing up and still is, uh, he was with Snyder from 89 until 95 as a player, a punter, and then he was a GA. And, you know, uh, it's Snyder is so intense. You know who else had this? Bill Cower. He's so intense that in the highest pressure games, his teams get tight. So it's not that somehow the other coach is is – and again, maybe that's changed with Snyder as, you know, as he's moving to 80 or whatever. But this is back in the 90s. Remember, they had a couple years. If they won their, or at least one, if they won their Big 12 championship, they were going to be in the BCS game. Or they were in the, I, I think it might have been right before the BCS and they would have been in a game to win it for the national title. And they have, if you look at the highest pressure game Snyder ever played, um, they were very bad in those games. I don't think it was about prep. I think it was about the team just felt so tight. Have you seen any other coaches that, that you would say fall in that? I think Bill Cowher was like yeah, that. Yeah, no, Pittsburgh. that's a great example. No, I, obviously you're right. You, you got me. Check out the big brain on RJ. Oh, well, my head physically is like, you know, 30% bigger than an average head. So hopefully there's some brains. <laughs> you know, my my wife who is 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 really smart and I'm lucky and you know she but she has like probably a smallish head which I guess on a, a woman you'd want that you wouldn't want a big you know like yeah, a, you alien head or something yeah, right any driver or something. but she always, well she was like <laughs> hey goodwill hunting but she used to say you know I used to say hey my brain there's just so so much more mass it only makes sense I'm smarter than you you know like you know playing and teasing and she's like. You know, they've done studies that brain mass, you know, like the size doesn't matter. So then I found a study that said it did. And and, and, she, and, and ever since I've been bringing it up. So <laughs> there's some, I'm sure you're thinking, boy, that doesn't sound fun. It's like, well, you're probably right. 
<laughs> it's it's not for her, but it is for me. So last thing about prep time, quirky offenses. We always talk about the option and all that. We're during the regular season. It's so hard to have time to get ready. How do quirky offenses, uh, how are they dealt with in bowl games? It's a negative for quirky offense. It's just a, basically you have extra time to prep for that quirky offense. So a lot of times you don't want to be blindly, you don't want to be blindly playing on anything, but be careful playing on option teams. If you got three, four weeks to prep for it, negative, uh, a defense can, can figure it out a little bit easier. Also, well, I'm going to mention here, Mike Leach, quirky passing offense. A lot of times uh, guys have, you know, three, four weeks to prep for him. Mike Leach is terrible as a bull favorite, like three and eight against the number. Terrible. Yeah, I agree with all that. Last factor, and then we're going to get to the big games, and then we have a best bet from you, early best bet, and we have the Army-Navy handicap for this upcoming Saturday, which will be last, so if you're listening late, don't worry about that. But don't listen late. Crowd makeup. So some of it is how well does a team travel? That's a phrase. Some is geographic proximity. How do you account for it? And also one more, you know, venue. Are they used to playing in this venue? A lot of teams have been there, done that. Uh, I, it's a major thing that doesn't get accounted for. Not every bowl game is a neutral. I go as heavy as maybe even two points of home field advantage in some extreme uh, circumstances. And the market doesn't always reflect that uh, as far as awarding it. So if you're looking for an extra half point, a point of edge of line value, take the team, obviously, that travels well. Ohio, the Ohio State's, the Wisconsin's of the world, always traveling well. The teams that are playing very close to home, the teams that, that have been and played in that venue multiple times, maybe they've been to this bowl game multiple times. Those are all advantages that factor into that. I'm always looking for an extra half a point. Yes. Brent. Just just in life. <laughs> I was on with Adam Carolla a couple of weeks ago, and, uh, you know, every Wednesday I'm on his show, and I give uh, the RJ parlay two picks, and it's great because I'm a, such a fan of Adam. So it's, 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 it's just a... a a kick, a thrill to be on with them. But we heart, you know, other than my picks, we're just talking about other things. And we were talking about driving like a maniac. And I'm like, well, the time I probably drive the most aggressively is when the lunchtime buffet ends at a certain point and then the dinner begins, but they don't change the food till like, so let's say four o'clock is when the price changes and I'm driving there. It's like three fifty. If I get there by three fifty seven, I get the lunch price if I get there at 402, I got to pay for dinner, but they're not bringing out like the lamb chops or the, the dinner stuff until like six. So I'm not going to get it. Yeah. So I drive pretty fanatically <laughs> at the end of that. He actually, like we talked for like 15, 20 minutes and he goes, you know, you're so right about it. And he went off on like a big tangent about like, if you're driving for something and you're going to get extra value. So, yes, I do want to half point, Brad, in case you were wondering. And you can get it by factoring a home field <laughs> advantage. <laughs> uh, in some cases. Yes. Now, give us one game that this applies um, this bowl season. Yeah, and I think the market's actually reflecting it for, for this time. And I'm going to use Stanford and TCU, two teams that are priced almost evenly in my power ranks. TCU just slightly above Stanford. Played in the Alamo Dome. Uh, TCU's been here recently. Stanford's really never played in this venue. And TCU's playing you know, just a couple hours away where they'll have the fan edge. They have the venue edge there. Stanford traditionally doesn't travel well as a fan base. This is one where I think the market's actually awarding TCU two points. Good stuff, Brad Powers. I'm RJ Bell. All right, let's get to some games. Shuffle them up. All right, so we're going to go fairly rapid fire here. I mean, we're 44 minutes or so in almost. But remember, we're going to go over all these games again. So this is high-level stuff. Maybe something jumps out at you. You want to bet early. 
Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State open minus six and a half, currently six and a half. Yeah, number one factor for me, I just think Virginia Tech's vastly overrated. They played two top 25 teams so far this season, lost both of them by double digits, failed to cover the spreads in both games by double digits. Overrated team playing a weak schedule, although it looks like it's being priced accordingly. These are two teams close in the AP poll, but obviously Vegas setting the line says Oklahoma State's far superior. What's your power rating say? What's your playing power rating say? Playing power ratings say only five points difference here. Here's another one where Oklahoma State played in the Alamo Dome last year. Probably will have a little bit of a slight crowd advantage. I think that's getting shaded in in the marketplace. Next game, Stanford TCU. You mentioned the potential being familiar with the venue advantage for TCU. They opened a two-point favor, but up to two and a half, even with some extra juice. Yeah, I mentioned that TCU is getting some home field advantage here. Here's the other key factor for me. The health status of Bryce Love, the Stanford running back. He was not 100% at any point in the last six games of the season. This is a guy that's worth two to three points of the line. Him just going from 70% healthy to 100% healthy is actually might be worth still two or two or three points. Example, USC game, third down and goal at the one yard line. Bryce Love is on the bench for both of those plays. He's in the game. Maybe they score the touchdown. Maybe they win the game. Check out the health status of Bryce Love. By the way, he's one of the three invited. You have a Bryce Love ticket. Not going to, not going to win a hundred to one. He's going to finish second. For the Heisman. For the Heisman. He's going to finish second. That's not bad. Two years in a row, 100 to one guy. One guy win it, one guy come in second. You know what I would be so interested in? And they do this in different things. Imagine if they had a ability to place like uh, a bet on place. Right? So horse racing, win, play, show. They could get a lot more interest in some of these long shots, wouldn't they? Yeah. To, to be a finalist, it should be. Yeah. You know, be a finalist for the Heisman. Why aren't we... That's interesting. Yeah, that's a great prop. I don't book. I hate bookies. I know. Remember? It's Fezzik. When Fezzik talks about bookies, it's... (laughs) Peace and love. Peace and love. For me, it's war, baby. (laughs) Next game. (laughs) I'm not worried about them comping me their $9 buffet. Though, for some reason, I am worried about getting the lunch price. That's so weird. I guess when there's no... Here's what I always say about it. Because some people say, oh, you're so, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, you don't want to. And it's like, no, if there's true value, like I just bought a new Surface Pro, right? Twelve hundred bucks. I could have gotten something not near as good for four hundred that would have done a lot of the same things. But if I'm going to spend time using this, my time's to me very valuable. I want to get the best computer I can uh, without, you know, where I'm not getting diminishing returns because it's got elements I don't need to use. Right. But if the choice is. You know, let me give you an example. Every time I go to any fast food place, I'll look up and figure out, okay, if I buy this stuff a la carte, how much is it? If I buy a combo, how much is it? And that usually the combo is going to be cheaper, but there might be something where I'm getting something for someone else. And I'm saying, can I figure a way to put a combo together, but, but, but separate it out when I give them their food. And to me, that takes 40 seconds to think about when I'm in line. So if I save like a buck 10, you know, let's say I've done that. I've lost nothing. I'm getting the exact same fries, exact same. I'm getting the exact same, but I just saved a buck 10. Why not? Wow. Right. That's a, that's a higher only in dreams. (laughs) That's a higher level of thinking. As far as looking at a fast food menu, I've never been like that. You've never done that. No, not at a a fast food place. No, no. When I was playing, (laughs) When I was playing cards back in Ohio before before I moved to Vegas, 
by the way, in January, it's going to be 20 of January. I'm going to have to look at the exact day, but right around like the 26th, it's going to be 20 years. Um, because uh, I came out the Friday before the Super Bowl that year, because that was the time I could move, you know, with you know less going on with the football. Obviously, is the I there was a guy I was playing cards with, and we, you know, this was a fair. We would play no limit. This is back like in ninety five, ninety six, and I mean, you, I had nights I won two thousand bucks. So I mean, I was you know in my early twenties, and it was like that's a lot. All right, it's a lot today. Two thousand, I care. Is um. And he, you know, one of my guys who was kind of a mentor to me, he had like 20 years older at the time and he had played cards for a long, long time. And he says, you know what's sick? And I go, well, I know a lot, but go ahead. And he's like, I just lost 600 bucks. He said, you know, on that hand, he goes, and I will walk a half a mile to save 20 cents on grapes. You know, like I'm at, like there's certain gambler types. If, if there's a grocery store, he has to get grapes but there's another grocery store, let's say at the other end of the mall, there's certain guys that will bet, you know, 600 on a hand of poker, but they will walk all the way across the mall to get grapes cheaper at the other place. Wow. Now, do you fall into that category? Yeah, I do in some instances. <laughs> What's a good example? Well, I don't know if it's necessarily saving money, but I have to have a specific brand because I'm very peculiar. Uh, I would say, you know, losing a $500 bet because of something, it doesn't hurt me as much as, you know, maybe I ordered the wrong thing. That, that to me, <laughs> hurts me more. Maybe uh, I'm trying to think of an example today. I I could have gotten the same thing. And then this is almost fast food because I, I did eat this and I could have gotten almost the same thing for like a couple bucks more and it really bothered me. And I tried the, the other person's food and it was better. And that really bothered me for some. <laughs> so you don't, you don't like getting, you don't like people getting over on you. That's probably what I have. The most. <laughs> yeah. They paid less and they got a better meal than me. That's what bothered me. And it was just a couple bucks. No, me, I would have been happy that the other person was enjoying themselves. Mm, well, maybe. Yeah. Next game, you mentioned Washington State and Leach, Michigan State. Washington State opened a four-and-a-half-point favor, now a three-point favor. And again, we're taping on Tuesday, December 5th, this early preview. Yeah, and I'm going to agree with the line movement, and this is a trend. We already talked about it. Mike Leach has a quirky offense. You look at him at Texas Tech and now at Washington State, he's been terrible as a bowl favorite. Hasn't handled it well. Three and eight against the number. His opposing uh, counterpart, Mark D'Antonio, probably the best underdog coach in college football right now. 17 and four against the spread last seven years. That counts bowl games anytime in the regular season. 14 outright upsets, including a pair this year. Michigan, Penn State. To me, that's as simple as that. Give me the dog, Michigan State. Old school would be Penn State, or I'm sorry, check that. The Big Ten teams like Penn State, Michigan State. The Big Ten struggled against the real spread offenses. Is that still true? No, because teams like Penn State, a team that they beat and, you know, kind of happened when Purdue with Joe Tiller brought the spread into the conference. Those Big Ten teams have performed better against spread offenses because they see it a couple times Relatively a year. better. But if you're in the Pac-12 and you see it, you know, pretty much every game, aren't you more prepared for it than a Michigan State that's going to have to play Wisconsin, yeah. play in Michigan? Yeah, you are. But I'll give you a great example. Minnesota, of all the teams that should not have been prepped for the uh, aerial attack spread offense was last year's Minnesota team. They're without 10 suspended players. Four of them are starters in the secondary. They're taking on Mike Leach and Washington State. They're a double-digit underdog. They win the game outright, hold Washington State to 12 points. Next game. Uh, you know, I, I, I was screaming. Why is Ken not here for this? Is he dodging you? Ken? Yeah. What do you mean? Dod oh, 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 well, yeah. we'll have more than enough time. USC, Ohio State. 
First off, it doesn't matter how wrong Ken is. He still thinks he's right. So he's never dodging. All right. Is and he's right a lot. USC, Ohio State, Ohio State opened as a six point favorite, and they said that's not enough. We're gonna make it seven because of lopsided batting. Yeah, I mean, I already mentioned it. Irvin Meyer with extra time to prep. Uh, be careful fading him because he's forty eight and four straight up, thirty six, thirteen and one against the spread. But you know, one of those losses and he's ten and three in bowl games straight up and against the spread was when his team had questionable motivation. They're there with a chance to go to the playoffs a couple years ago. They lose the Big Ten title game against Michigan State. They don't show up in an Orange Bowl game against Clemson. So, you know, what you know kind of motivation level is Ohio State going to have? Are they going to take the attitude, hey, we should have been in the playoffs. We're like TCU from three, four years ago. We're going to dominate our, our opponent and prove the, the committee wrong. Or are, are we a little disappointed here? I would tend to think that they're going to be up for playing USC. Disagree. Wow, you think they're down. I mean, think about it. The whole team was down the whole season. Remember the year after they won the title? That was supposed to be one of the best teams in the last 20 years of college football. And they just, i here's what I found. The higher pedigreed the recruit is, and in aggregate the recruits are, the more fickle they are with their effort level. Because these are 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. Even the seniors are kids. And... They have ne- they've always been the best athlete within 50 miles, right? And uh, in, in, when they were eight years old, they were getting special treatment. Doesn't matter if they had, you know, a lower social economic upbringing or not. They were the the kid in the inner city that that got the oh that guy he's gonna probably play or that kid's gonna play in the NFL one day is and you take away that motivation of like the highest level. They don't care. It's almost like the U.S leaving the silver medal uh, in basketball in 1972, I think it was. Now, again, I know that was a dispute over the referee, but we won every other gold. It's like we don't even want to take the silver home. I think schools like Florida State, schools like Ohio State, just there's six or seven of them maybe, maybe even four or five. If they're not playing, if, if it's not a fever pitch, they're not playing their hardest. I, I mean, have you? I mean, you've handicapped a lot of college football. Do you see that? Uh, I even see it with the best coaches. I just mentioned that one example Saban, of Urban Meyer. Yeah. Saban's done it a few times. So, and, and I don't think there is a question. Now, USC maybe was a team that was thinking playoffs at the start of the season. Had a little bit of disappointment. You mentioned it earlier. This is actually a team that's probably excited to be where they're at. Coming off the field against Notre Dame two months ago, getting beat by 35. I think this is about the best case scenario moving forward for USC. They will be motivated in this one. I agree. And I mean, wh- how does the Sam Darnold uncertainty like right now if you had to put a number on it what's the chance that Darnold stays versus goes I have 50 50 right now really because I mean it wasn't that long ago it was like he's a huge long shot to go that he was a big big favorite to stay you don't think that's the case now yeah I still think it's 50 50 it's going to be awfully tough to and he's going to be a top five pick whether he goes one or not he's going to be a top five pick that's tough turning down that money RJ so seven point favorite plus 230 on the money line for USC that seems about right that does. I, I am leaning towards USC. Yeah, and I, and I also think this is a high, I mean, mm-hmm. with the motivation issue, this is a high-variance game. And Ohio State's a high-variance team. They play, yep, yep. I would say, they're number two behind Alabama as far as they play their A effort. Not a lot of teams can compete with them. No, I agree with that 100%. All right, next game, Penn State, Washington University. Penn State, you know, this opener looks like it's a data glitch. So right now it's three Penn State favorites. Yeah, and Penn State is the far superior team here, but I have one major question that's going to prevent me from getting involved. 
their offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, just took the Mississippi State job. And if you remember Penn State, James Franklin, it's hard to realize this, but middle of last season was on the hot seat, probably going to get fired. They're losing. They lost to Michigan 49 to 10. He hadn't, he hadn't even done as good of a job as Bill O'Brien, even though it had been three years removed from all the NCAA probation. What happened? The offense finally clicked in under our first-year offense coordinator, Joe Moorhead. Well, the last year and a half, they've had one of the best offenses in the country. He will not be calling the plays. And Penn State really struggled offensively before Moorhead got there two years ago. Check out the big brain on Brad. Good stuff, man. You can, I mean, the way he rattles that stuff off, I mean, who's, who's, questioning, <laughs> who's questioning the depth of knowledge? Next game. Boy, has this... Miami, Florida team soured some people. I, I was surprised. What would you? What was your opener? Wisconsin, Miami, Florida in your mind? Uh, four, four and a half. Wisconsin. Yes, open, at most. It's moving towards seven. I'll end up probably taking Miami. And we talked about questionable motivation for both teams. They've exceeded expectations. They were two eighty to one teams to to make the college football playoff. So two individual teams that were eighty to one or so each entering the season, and we're one game away from getting the college football playoff. I question, you know, what other team can get back up for this game. Now, do we think Wisconsin not as highly recruited, salt of the earth kind of thing, you know, and, and obviously whenever you talk that it, it gets, you know, it can get kind of gray with, you know, is that a racial thing? It's like, you know, so, but I, I, my gut feeling is, and maybe this is just wrong is a team like Wisconsin, you know, you think Midwest, you think, oh, they're going to appreciate where they are more. And here's my Major hangup. We had an example of this just two years ago in the Big Ten. Iowa's 12-0, and 0, close to winning the Big Ten championship game, lose by three. They're going to the Rose Bowl, RJ, for the first time in like 25 years. They're not motivated. They're down 35 nothing at halftime. Now, was that Stanford. motivation or was that they just were outplayed? Outplayed, not that good. Motivation, maybe, a little bit of an issue. And one other factor here that I think is important, do not award Miami's playing in their home stadium. Do not award them full home field edge. It would not shock me if Wisconsin didn't have more fans in the stands because they will travel well. They've never been to an Orange Bowl in their school history. I say the crowd's 50-50. But they still would have, you said don't give them full, Full. but they were going to be familiar with the venue. Instead of four, maybe four points of home field advantage, maybe it's two and a half or three. I agree with that. Okay. Um, Now this is, this is interesting is Auburn central Florida. Now we were saying Alabama best team in the country by your power ratings would be about 16 and a half against central Florida, Auburn three loss team, nine and a half up from eight and a half. Yeah. And again, this is about motivation for Auburn. If they're motivated, if they're healthy, carry on Johnson, then they're clearly the superior team. My power ratings say this line probably should be 11 and a half. Question is we've seen this in the past and you go back to the days where the big East was getting an automatic you know, bowl game in the BCS era. The dog, the underdog of these group of five schools has been an underdog at 16 of the last 19 major bowl games. They've won 13 of them. So they've been a dog in 16 of the 19 games, but have won 13 of them straight up. That tells me a lot of these big name programs laying a big number, and this is a relatively big number here, aren't motivated. UCF will be motivated, hopefully, especially if they have Scott Frost on the sidelines. And it seems like the square shops, and, and we talk about that. Whenever you look at the screen, and again, pregame.com, click Game Center, when you see where Pinnacle's at, where, you know, let's use Pin- Pinnacle as the prototypical sharp shop, um, and then you see where Bravada and Sportsbook.ag are, is when there's a clear difference, usually the sharp, you know, the squares are going to be playing what is pricier at Bovada. So Auburn's 10 flat right now. 
at Bovada and sportsbook.ag and nine and a half flat. And when I say flat minus one ten, minus one ten, or if it's reduced juice, it's gonna be, you know, minus one oh six or whatever each way. Um thus it would seem the squares are on Auburn. Yep. And they've been on Auburn a lot here down the stretch. Next game in the rotation number is your best bet. LSU Notre Dame, just a couple of minutes we're gonna be getting to that. But now the only other two games, the playoffs, Georgia, Oklahoma. Oklahoma is the underdog here. Man, oh man, this feels, unless I'm missing something, this is one of my favorite bets of the college football season. I like Oklahoma here, plus one and a half. Yeah, and I like, look, if you're ranking the units, you got Oklahoma's offense, probably the best unit as far as offense, defense, and all of college football. Although I'd argue Georgia's probably got you know, the second best unit on the field, de- their defense and their offense is better than Oklahoma's defense. Here's the major hangup though. No quarterback. I think bigger advantage and disparity as far as experience. And I think ability than this one, Baker Mayfield, a four year starter, the Heisman trophy winner coming in this one against a true freshman quarterback, true freshman played well in the sec championship game. If he plays like that. It's going to be a game that goes down the wire, but I think maybe the big scope of expectations might get to him. Yeah, my pure power ring says Oklahoma should be wrong team favorite here. I lean with the Sooners. So Fezzik is a master at line move predictions. In college, you watch these markets closely. Where does this game close? I, man, I, th- I got to think that it comes back in Oklahoma's favor. Here's why th- there's some line movement towards Georgia as we're taping this. One of their top running backs is facing some charges, and it looks like he's not going to play here. So I, I, you see a lot of that movement because of that recent news. It just went down the last 24 hours. Shoot, movement in which direction? Movement towards Georgia. Towards Georgia. Yeah. So I thought you just said that they have a running back. That's not Oklahoma. Gonna... Oh, maybe okay. I misspoke. Oklahoma's yeah. running back. And how is he worth even a half a point? Uh, to me, not really. No. So I disagree with the line movement. You know, Lincoln Riley, to me, is, is, is one of the true up and, if not the up and coming young coach. Does, uh, it seems like in a way you could say, I mean, it's not so much the offense is quirky, but if he gets a chance to gimmick up, you know, some, you know, only takes two or three. Well, if you get one touchdown off of gimmicks, how valuable is that? Well, it's seven points. Um, uh, do you look at Riley and specifically, uh, maybe let me get asked two questions. Is, what's the Riley factor in this game? And number two, Oklahoma being the track meet that they are on offense does can Georgia even replicate that? I mean, are we back to the old Alabama struggles against Johnny football type stuff in the SEC? I, I think we are. And who is Alabama's defensive coordinator most of those years? Kirby Smart, now the head coach of Georgia, who the, the, the hang up on Kirby Smart's defenses was he struggles against mobile quarterbacks, which Baker Mayfield is. You know, the only other concern I would have is has Oklahoma, and they, I guess they've handled it well, the first test against Ohio State. They really haven't seen the, the, the depth of speed on the front seven since that Ohio State game, but again, they handled it well. So I this one's about to be in the front seven on defense. On defense, I well, think. Yeah, sure. but they're not gonna. But the thing is, if they score every time, that's the thing. Yeah. Is Joel Klatt? We've talked about this on the Fox National Show. Is and we're on guys all through the holidays. We don't, you know. Hey, Christmas is great, but we're working. There's games on, right? And we're yep. working. Is Friday nights eleven Pacific to midnight. So two to three on the East Coast when the bars are letting out, as I like to say. And on Saturday night, we need an extra hour. So 10 to midnight Pacific. And on Fox National, 330 stations. 
nationwide. The only Las Vegas odds and prediction show ever on one of the three major networks, the radio networks, ESPN, CBS, or Fox. Only one ever. We're very proud of that. And the show's picking up a ton of momentum. And though I know many of you guys listen live. We also, I also tweet out the show with all the commercials removed on my Twitter. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. So you can listen that way. All right, next game. Oh, can I quickly identify the Riley factor, Lincoln Riley? I yes, didn't really please. address it. I think you're on to something. I lean with you, but here's my thinking. He's had three big games with a lot of extra time to prep. One one has been good last year's Sugar Bowl against an SEC defense against Auburn. So I'm forgetting now. He's been the so offense Stoops, coordinator. Uh, okay, okay. Should you count it? I mean, he's been calling the play. I would say it's now, worth maybe a third as All right, then I won't get into it. I won't... Sh- Go with the, but the what would side. be the other? Well, the, the negatives is he had extra time to prep, really struggled offensively in a bowl game and a playoffs two years ago against Clemson as the offense coordinator. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's big game, quote unquote, Bob, though. Oh, OK. And then an opener. I didn't see much quirkiness in the offense against the Houston team that they lost outright to in a season opener. So he's had three games, yeah, three it. big games, three times that show a lot of something offensively. I just haven't seen it. And, and, and I'm going to I'm going to pull back my criticism or not my criticism, but my assessment for a second. When it comes to all the other things about getting a team ready, I don't think as OC you can count any of that. But when it comes to being able to have a couple gimmick plays or gimmick situations, not so much flea flakers, but situations, he probably had carte blanche on offense, so he could have done anything he wanted. So maybe you're right about that. Well, I I think the major takeaway is we don't know. This is his first time as in the head coach role. Yeah. Well, that's what our job is, is pricing uncertainty, Brad. Yes. Last game. <laughs> you know, I, I should just boycott this game. Really? Really? Alabama? Alabama? And listen, we haven't preached about this too much here. Here's the question on this fourth slot. Is the committee picking the four best teams? And if so, Alabama is the best team by most accounts, but certainly one of the four best. Or are they picking the best seasons? Now think about that. It sounds similar, but it's not. Right. If you have a 42 yard field goal to win or lose a game, that's going to have a huge effect on your season. Doesn't have really anything to do with how good you are. Cause that kicker making that one kick doesn't tell you too much about how good you are. That's the difference. Is this because in theory, the best team could have three losses. If they played a really tough schedule. Would we may, would they be in the playoffs? I wouldn't think so. So if you think it's the best team, Alabama should be in for sure. If it's the best season, it's not even a debate. The Buckeyes had a better season. Do you, I mean, could you even debate that? Uh, yeah, they got more quality wins, played a tougher schedule, a conference champion. So it sounds like everything that leads to a better season. Better season. Yes. <laughs> better team got in, though. Agreed. But yeah. that's the thing. It's not supposed to be the better I know. team. Alabama favored, as we said. I think Clemson's clearly you know, the second best team. Favored by two and a half against Clemson. A lot of people shocked by this. Brad, you were, Fezzik's been saying, now remember what we said though. Yeah. I was pretty prescient as they would say is, it's my job is on Fox national. We talked about, I said, listen, I go, if this were a um, true line, as in let's split the result. I think Bama's favored, or I'm sorry. If this were a true line, I think this game's around pick them. If it's a bookmaking line, a betters line, which is to split the action, not the result, I think Bama's favor. So the fact they're two and a half here, I think, speaks to 
you know there's a Bama premium, right? Yep. So this line would be around Pickham if it was just splitting the action. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, just splitting the result. Yeah, and pure power ring, Alabama should be one here. So I think you're getting a Bama, Bama premium. And maybe they should be Pickham. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Clemson here, although I think you should be waiting because I think the temptation is maybe Alabama goes to three here as we get more clarification of the linebacker news. And why are we talking linebackers as far as cluster injuries? A- Alabama, with a relatively healthy linebacker core first eight games, they allow 65 rushing yards per game. Last four games, as they suffered more injuries at that position, they allow 150 rushing yards per game. So if they're healthy, they're clearly the top defense. If they're not, you know, they're above average. They're a good defense, not great. That's some good stats about how the value of the quarterback or or the linebackers. Also, though, I think they call this in the hedge funds world is asymmetric risk. If you like Clemson and the line moves against you, you lost two and a half or two or maybe one and a half. You lost a little something. But if the line goes to three, you gain so much more. And thus, you're risking losing two and a half to gain three. That's a good risk, in my opinion. So if you like Clemson, I would wait. I do think, though, if Alabama has those healthy linebackers, net net, is then I think they're clearly a better team than Clemson. The yeah. team that played Auburn isn't a better team than Clemson, in my opinion. I yeah. think pick them. Agree. But I'll say this also, Saban not clearly the better coach. In my opinion, the last five years, the best coach in postseason, Sweeney. And you look at his... And Give those stats. Yeah, you, and he's now You were a, the first person that really pushed these out there. Yeah, and, and now he's in that dog roll. Instead of a pick him, now they're clearly the disrespected underdog that he can play up to. Last five years, seven postseason games, 7-0 against the spread, 6-1 and one straight up, all in the underdog roll. So thinking about that, Vegas says seven times you're supposed to lose, and six times they win, and seven times they exceed expectation by definition what the spread is by covering you've exceeded expectation. Guys, listen, Brad puts out a ton of stuff on Twitter. You know, hey, after the bowls, if you want to unfollow him, do it. Right? <laughs> I wouldn't, but do it. But for the bowls, you got to follow him at Brad Powers 7, B-R-A-D-P-O-W-E-R-S, the number seven, Brad Powers 7. Don't follow one, two, three, four, five, or six. Whatever you do. All right. Best bet in a moment. First, though, I'm going to do something a little special. We actually ticked up again last week, guys. Thanks for the support. And I've had so many of you on Twitter say, RJ, here's how I'm helping out. And you say your friend, you know, you mentioned the friends, not so much their names, but who you're sending them uh, the links to for the dream preview. You talk about going to iTunes and giving us a five-star rating. You talk about, you know, tweeting to your followers, Facebook, email. There's all different ways to help, right? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I mean, it's, it's allowing us to spend the time. I mean, it didn't get Fezzik in here today, but in general, <laughs> we, we, we're probably, I mean, Brad, you did the dream preview last year. I mean, we're probably putting double the effort in this year, wouldn't you say? Oh, du- at least double, probably triple. I mean, we've got one of our admin doing prep sheets. So we've all, you know, noticed last year I was stumbling with the games. We got the rundown. We're spending like 45 minutes before going through talking about some interesting points where there might be synergetic transitions and ordering the games. So, and that's because you guys are showing us you like it and like it a lot. So please keep showing us that we've been thanking you with coupons and such. I'm going to, for premium picks, all of our pros have up the discounted bowl of packages. 
you can get every bowl game at a big discount versus buying individually. If you are interested in anything like that, Brad's, let's say, obviously, the most obvious, or maybe you want, hey, I just want from January 1 onwards, but I want Brad and Ken and Fezzik or whatever. It's kind of like a Chinese menu, mix and match, pick whatever you want, and email Tom, T-O-M, at pregame.com. Tom runs the sales. Tom at pregame.com. And tell him you came from the dream preview. RJ sent you. You want a special deal. And tell him what it is that you are looking for. Or generally, you can say, I'm thinking A or B. He'll get on the phone if you want. We don't do any outbound calls ever, ever, ever. But he'll email. He'll, he'll text. Whatever you want. Work through it. And because you're saying you came from Dream Preview, you will get the best deal we're offering. Tom at pregame.com. And listen, no commitment just to send the email is if you get the price back and you're not happy, then you don't have to, you know, like we said, if you never buy a pick, but you support us, any way you support us, we appreciate. To us, the picks are, quite frankly, a privilege. I know it sounds crazy in a world of touts and screaming and 70%. To us, to get the very best from Brad, we feel like we're doing, not a favor, but we're providing value. If you want that value, great. If you don't, we're never going to hard sell you. We're proud of that. We're also proud of telling you there's no guarantees. Is Even the best information we'll lose, and sometimes for an extended period of time. So if you if somehow you have ever gone with any other info providers or if you're considering one, Hey, there's some good ones out there. Just the ones you know you avoid are the ones that say winning is easy because it's not. But getting the very best info gives you the best chance. Speaking of that, best bedtime. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fire up your pad and pencil. I give you a piece of my mind. This song is growing on me. Usually you get bored of songs. I like this more now. Is it growing on you, Brad? I mean, I liked it back in the day, but I, I think, you know, I kind of liked Whoa, Joey more than anything about that show, if you remember. I Did- think, I, I'll be candid, I think Blossom was just too ethnic for you. Yeah. You grew, up, t- on a far- already- you grew up on a farm. I did. Did you farm? Yes, absolutely. So, you, so you'd have to wake up like before the sun rose? Absolutely, yes. You know, every farmer I know... That is kind of a quasi farmer. It wasn't real. How many acres did you guys have? Well, in the family or just person that you were working. How many acres of farm did you work? Be well, honest. Well, and I personally work. Well, I mean, just personally, Boy, we're not getting it straight. Well, hold on well, a second. Uh, yeah, you want? I'll walk the tightrope here. <laughs> I mean, there's a difference between owning, you know, farming, owning. You know, working some ground, I mean, owning, you know, a couple hundred acres, actually farming five, six hundred acres, and my entire family, thousands of acres. So so the powers have, like, it's like South Fork on Dallas? You own, like, like, a, I mean, do you have, like, like senators coming to the, to the <laughs> off or to the uh, dinner and, like, getting your, your, your approval to run for president? How many acres? Yeah, thousands of acres between all the, you know, the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles. Yeah, thousands of acres. And for some reason, you wanted to get away so quickly as soon as you could. Yeah, the bright lights caught, were calling. <laughs> the neon lights, baby. <laughs> wow. I didn't know anything. Thousands of acres. Thousands of acres. So when you went to high school, were you like, oh, yeah, hey, you know that big ranch out there on 45? 
You know, like yeah. they'd whisper about you. No, no, not like that. So everyone had like thousands of acres. Well, a lot of the people that are farmers, you don't make too much uh, on thousands that. of acres. That's a you lot, would farm though. though. I didn't say own. There's a difference between owning and farming. Well, are you like sharecroppers. No, not necessarily. But I mean, that's what you'd farm the land. It's not like there's residential. Oh, how much did you own though? Like a couple hundred acres. Okay. And on my, you know, the right, main so- farm was only like sixty acres. Boy, I think we got to do a whole podcast on this. Oh my goodness. Wow, you're drunk though. We have to do shots and get the real truth out of it. <laughs> but here's what I'll say, and you can tell me if this is true. Every Ohio farmer I ever met is sanctimonious. Especially the ones that haven't farmed for 20 years, right? But they're 40. But like, I used to have to get up and milk the cows. You think there's some uh, truth to this? 100% truth. Best bet time. Best bet. We're going to go to a January 1st game, LSU taking on Notre Dame. Two teams heading in opposite directions. And RJ's going to say, hey, isn't it pricing the number? Here's where I don't think it is. Notre Dame had a almost entirely brand new coaching staff this year. Eight new assistant coaches, new offense, new defense. Well, the first eight, nine games of the season, they, they far exceeded expectations. But once teams figured it out, and I think RJ's got a great example of teams figuring out a Kansas City offense on the pro side of things, they've been a huge negative. Here's a team that had a, a quirky run offense. No one can stop the first eight games, averaging more than 300 yards per game. Last three games, how about 150 rushing yards per game? LSU has specifically the defense that can stop Notre Dame, just like Georgia, just like Miami, Florida, Notre Dame struggles in the past game. I like LSU, a team that's won and covered seven straight games, playing for Ed O to win easily in this one. Have you taken off the rubber band for this? I took off the rubber band early. Now, it's at a key number of three. I might have got in before that, but still would take off the rubber band again at three. What are you doing? Why does guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why does guy carry his money in a roll? We are going to do this weekend's game, Brad's best bet. LSU and I'd bet that early myself and remember guys let's talk about next week before we do Army Navy so Tuesday again well we tape on Tuesday release on Wednesday and remember you can get and here's the thing if you're not subscribed if it's iTunes you know Apple podcast slash iTunes if it's podcast one if it's the podcast one app Whatever it is, I, I use, I think Overture is the name of it. I, I actually like it. I highly recommend it. Let me see. Uh, no, Overcast. O-V-E-R-C-A-S-T. It's like an iTunes. I just think it's got a few more bells and whistles. It was free. There's a bunch of these things, right? Stitcher is subscribe to the Dream Preview. And then literally the minute it's released, you know first. Next week, what we're going to be doing is looking ahead at all the games that we'll play in the next seven days and do deep dives on those. I'm not sure if there's going to be enough. And maybe what we'll do is talk a little more general handicapping next week with the individual games when Fezzik's cold is done, (laughs) but, and Ken's prepped, but either way, every Wednesday morning, all the way through the championship game, you're going to be getting all the good info from the dream preview this weekend, army, Navy, Navy favored by three. Oh, I didn't say this the whole episode. Lean or like? Yeah, lean with Navy here, minus three. And it's all about last year being an outlier as far as the series goes. Navy, with the the more talented athletes, had won 14 straight times over Army. But last year was an outlier because they were playing with their third string quarterback. Not the case this year. And and I don't want to go too specific here. But the reason why Navy has better players from a recruiting aspect there's really no weight limit in the Navy. They can get guys that are 280, 290, 300 uh, at the line of scrimmage. For the Army for so many years, 
they couldn't get those guys because there was a weight limit. You could only be like 270 to actually get into West Point. So the bigger, stronger, faster team with revenge for last year, give me Navy minus the points. So is that weight limit still the case for Army? They have started to ease up on that a little bit, but you know it's only happened maybe in the the last recruiting class. So the three wow. or four other recruiting wow. classes are up there. I got to be honest. I had never heard that before. Yeah. That stuff. That's been the issue for Army, but they got tired of losing the Navy. Remember, guys, NFL released every Thursday. Fezzik should be better, apparently, for the Wednesday taping. Talk to you there. Thanks for listening to R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week. Have you heard Spike's Car Radio here on Podcast One? It's comedian, actor, and writer Spike Ferrison sitting on the porch in Malibu talking to his famous friends about cars. My first guest is Jerry Seinfeld. He's right here. He was all right. Don't try to hug him. Or Chris Hardwick. I could feel everything on the road. I mean, it was right. basically like, it was like unprotected sex for driving. Could... <laughs> Jeremy Pivot. I hold you know what? I think you and Jerry are spiritually tied to cars. <laughs> and I respect it and I love it, but I don't quite get it yet, but I want to get it. Other past guests include Jason Bateman, Russell Peters, and even Adam Carolla. Mr. Adam I just Carolla. go with the queen. I mean, the king role has been filled, but the queen vacancies are You're open. the queen of all media. Get new episodes every Wednesday at podcastone.com and the new Podcast One app or at Apple Podcasts. And if you like Spike's show, check out our other car shows like CarCast with Adam Carolla, Everyday Driver, or Shift and Steer, exclusively on Podcast One.